The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How are you feeling today? Are you feeling alive and energetic? or lethargic and weak. Listen to your heart. Welcome to the Healing Whisper, a return to peace. Your host for the hour is Dr. Marianne Chase. When we fail to understand and work on the root cause of our stress and illness, we seem to be in a never-ending spiral of poor health and low energy. It's time to re-harness that potential in order to live a better life. Now here's Dr. Marianne. Hello and welcome to the show. This is Dr. Marianne Chase and I am so glad that you can join me and listening to this very special show on 9-11. And uh, today I have a very special guest that will be talking about a condition that a lot of people may not even know that they have, and that is PTSD. But before we get into that, I'd like to let everybody know that you can find me on my website, thehealingwhisper.com. Find out more about me there. You can also connect with the Healing Whisper page on Facebook and with me on LinkedIn, YouTube, as well as Twitter. And uh, you can also find some uh, live Twitter feeds off of Meerkat that uh, I do on occasion. And uh, that's just a lot of fun. And uh, before I actually get into the show, this wonderful disclaimer about the show is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not intended to treat, diagnose, heal, or cure anything. Everything contained in the show is strictly the opinion of myself, Dr. Marianne Chase, and my guest, Michelle Rosenthal. Always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any concerns that you may have. My guest, Michelle Rosenthal, is an award-winning PTSD blogger, best-selling and award-nominated author, host of the radio program Changing Direction, and founder of HealMyPTSD.com, a former faculty member of the Clinical Development Institute for the Timberline Knowles Residential Treatment Center, Michelle is an author of the recovery memoir, Before the World Intruded, Conquering the Past and Creating the Future, plus the recovery self-help books, Your Life After Trauma, Powerful Practices to Reclaim Your Identity and Heal Your PTSD, Dynamic Strategies That Work. Michelle is an award-winning individual and several awards I could list them uh, by the dozens here but right now 
I just want to get into the show, and we're going to talk about the newest book, Heal Your PTSD, Dynamic Strategies That Work. Michelle, welcome to the show. Marianne, thank you so much for inviting me today on what is, as you mentioned, such an important and somber day, and one that so specifically relates to issues of stress, trauma, and PTSD. And, well, let's just get right into it. I My first question is, how did you become so acquainted with PTSD and healing? Tell us your story. Yes, because it is a very personal story. In 1981, I was just this 13-year-old kid. I had a great family, a very fine life, and I, I had a a run-of-the-mill infection for which my doctor provided a run-of-the-mill prescription for an antibiotic that it turned out I was allergic to. And the medication, when I took it, essentially turned me into a full-body burn victim. The allergy worked its way out through my skin. And by the time I was released from this quarantined burn unit hospital room, I had lost the first two layers of my skin from head to toe. And when I came out of the hospital, I knew, you know, on, on, on that intellectual level that we know things, but did not understand on that emotional level where we feel things, that I was going to be okay. Seventy percent of the people who, who have my illness do not survive, and the doctors were very clear, you will not survive the next time, so you have to make sure this never happens again. And as a kid, Marianne, think about yourself at 13. What kind of coping mechanisms do you have for <laughs> unutterable pain, panic, terror? I had a near-death experience that I was out of my body. How do you even come back from that kind of experience as a 13-year-old and carry on like everything's fine? Right, you, right. You don't. <laughs> and, and so I really, I really, I stumbled and I wanted to be brave. I got very caught up in wanting to be courageous for my family. You know, it's it's not just survivors that struggle. It, the, these kind of traumas impact an entire family. And I wanted the return to normalcy for my parents and my younger brother. And, and so I started to mask the anxiety in which I lived, the insomnia that overtook me. Didn't tell anyone when I started having nightmares, and I tried to carry on and do that thing that we as survivors do, which is, I'm just going to go back to before this happened. And, and we lose so much time by doing that because we, you can't go back to who you were before. And right. the problem so often is we get stuck in the gap between before and after. You can't go back to who you were before, and you don't know who to be after, and you get stuck in the gap of that psychological uncertainty at the same time that you're living with a physical uncertainty of your own safety, no matter what your trauma was, whether it's, you know, a car accident, a natural disaster, combat, child abuse, sexual assault, we all live afterward with a very intense understanding of our own safety being challenged and fragile in every moment. And so... I fell off the deep end of PTSD in the 1980s when nobody was talking about that in terms of civilian kids with medical trauma. PTSD only became a diagnostic uh, 
uh, it only became, well, let's say it this way, it only entered the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual in 1980. So in the 80s, as I was falling deeper and deeper into the depression and the avoidance and the re-experiencing and the mood alterations and the hypervigilance of PTSD, nobody was looking at me in terms of trauma. All of the therapists that my parents took me to said, she's a kid, she'll bounce back. But I didn't. And so fast right, forward, yeah. it took 24 years of struggling to create a life <laughs> with my symptoms, thinking I was just crazy and I better just learn to live as a crazy person. Before I finally ended up with a PTSD diagnosis, I was in my 30s when I actually started the recovery process. And, you know, for each of us, that's an individual process. But I did find my way out of it, and now I've been symptom-free for almost a decade. So the story is long, but it has a happy ending. Well, granted, and and the difficulty is thinking that you were crazy. And one of the things that, that, as I understand it about PTSD, is that Really, it's a normal reaction to trauma. Would would that be a correct assumption? Absolutely. I like putting it in a paraphrase of uh, Viktor Frankl's idea, you know, that an abnormal response to an abnormal situation or experience is normal behavior. And I think that's very, very true. I, I think that, you know, our coping skills can be completely overwhelmed by experiences that threaten our physical or emotional safety and put us in situations that make us feel we won't survive. That having been said, we should say that of the 70% of U.S. adults who will experience a trauma in their lifetime, only up to 20% of them develop post-traumatic stress disorder. So I think it's important to clarify that we're by no means saying that just because you have a trauma, you are destined for PTSD. That's not the case. But for those of us who end up with PTSD, I do think it's a very normal outgrowth of what we've experienced and the limitations and obstacles that we meet in getting over it. Right. And uh, just in case any of my listeners don't know who Viktor Frankl is, he was a, a uh, um, Holocaust survivor. And uh, what talking about abnormal situations and abnormal responses, we, we certainly can't uh, say enough about that particular thing. Now, Michelle, when we talk about trauma, it's not necessarily something that one person would consider trauma what another person is actually being traumatized. That's absolutely true. For each of us, we have such different experiences and our threshold and level for coping with experiences is dependent on our psychological makeup, our biological makeup, our neurophysiological state, our personal history, how we've seen stress modeled. There are so many factors, including what we've already dealt with up until the moment of the trauma, quote-unquote. So, you know, I like to think of us as we're all pitchers of water, and you can just fill a pitcher so much before the next tablespoon overflows. 
so on a day like 9-11, I was in New York City on 9-11. I was living there. I had been for a long time. And you can just take that as, as an example. Each of us had our own experience of that horrific day and differing responses afterward based on our personal makeup. And so what you're saying is that there are some people that the experience of 9-11, whether you were in New York or Washington, D.C., or in my case, in Aurora, Colorado, we all experienced it differently. And it depends upon our experiences before, if we've had tons of trauma before, if maybe that 9-11 experience wasn't the little drop of water that got that glass of water overflowing. Absolutely. And I, I see this all the time. I'll give you an example. Uh, I worked with, a, a, you know, I, I'm a post-trauma coach, so I, I was working with a woman who came to me because she was, dealing with the aftermath of a very traumatic gang rape. And as we worked through the impact of that, what she really uncovered beneath that was that she had never processed the trauma of being a victim of childhood sexual abuse. So she'd been coping with the childhood sexual abuse. She was an accomplished musician. She had a career. She was she had found a place for that. But the rape pushed her over the edge of being able to contain how she was responding to all of the traumas and how she was able to cope and carry on. Right. Well, let's get into that in a great deal of um, detail after the break. Folks, don't go away. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you feeling stuck? Sometimes we just need a little help from a friend. Go beyond ordinary healing and experience the extraordinary healing journey possible with custom Healing Code Coaching with Dr. Marianne Chase. Visit TheHealingWhisper.com. Dr. Chase's coaching sessions can be conducted via Skype or by telephone. If you have half an hour to devote to getting yourself out of that rut, Dr. Mary Ann is ready to be that friend. Visit TheHealingWhisper.com and click Coaching. Running is one of the fastest growing sports, with everyday people stepping it up and training for that next big race goal. The In-Flight Running Show with Coach Michael Merlino is your guide to running, whether you're just getting started or training for the Boston Marathon. By paying attention to and following the tips offered by Michael and his guests, you'll be able to take your running to new heights and reach your next finish line with confidence. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to The Healing Whisper, a return to peace. If you would like to comment or have a question about our show today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. If you'd rather send an email, our email address is thehealingwhisper at mindspring.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the show. This is Dr. Marianne Chase, and my special guest today is Michelle Rosenthal, who is the author of the book, Heal Your PTSD, Dynamic Strategies That Work. Just before the break, Michelle was giving an example of one of her clients that had what PTSD as a result, they thought, of a gang rape. But as the treatment goes on, they discover sexual abuse as a child, which just added to it. It it was like water in a glass, and the gang rape was what overflowed the trauma. So, Michelle, now we talk about trauma, and a lot of people think of trauma as something severe, like the gang rape, like other sexual traumas, like in my own personal case, a car accident, or 9-11, just watching those towers coming down again and again and again. But can trauma be something minor, something that a lot of people might not even consider traumatic? That is such a brilliant question, and the answer is yes. The actual definition of trauma is so simple, Marianne. We can bring it down to three very small points. Number one, trauma is any experience that is less than nurturing. Can you imagine a person on this planet that doesn't have that experience? Well, yeah, <laughs> it just happens. That's <laughs> life. It happens in the normal course of a day. We, so, number one, any experience less than nurturing. Number two, any experience that completely overwhelms your ability to cope. And we mean that from a physical, psychological, and emotional, mental perspective. And then third, any experience that changes how you see your place in the world. So if we use those three elements as a definition for trauma, you can see how trauma is an equal opportunity offender. It happens to everyone at some point in their life. So I think then we need to attach to that, too, the difference between big T and little t trauma. Because the this that you gave, 9-11, car accidents, 
assault, abuse, those kind of things, those are the big T traumas that are very easy to recognize and they alter you in a split second to an enormous degree. The small T traumas are those little stressors that happen in a day, the disappointments, the things that don't go your way that cause stress. Those are the things that are like the little bump in the road. They don't throw you off the road, but they cause a little hiccup in the way that causes stress that can be quote-unquote traumatic with a small T in the way that it's less than nurturing. So it's important to look at trauma from both of those perspectives. You can have trauma, big T or little t, and carry on, maybe bounce back right away or within a month or two. And then there are other traumas that are so big that it takes time to untangle the wires that get crossed. Literally, trauma can affect the brain. So when we're talking about the big T traumas, that really create an enormous impact. We're talking about not just the psychological and emotional response, but the neurophysiological dysregulation that occurs. And in that, it's important to recognize we don't have control. So I, I think this is just such an important point to make, all of it, the differences and the, the science behind it, because so often, Marianne, we blame ourselves for our response to trauma. And others blame us. You know, if, if every survivor had a hundred dollars for how often people say, just get over it, let it go, you know, that kind of thing. It's all in your head. They'd be rich because it can seem like we're holding on for no reason. But really there are reasons that we hold on to trauma. And to me, that's where the possibility for healing begins. It's, it's by figuring out how and in what way and why do we feel compelled to hold on to the trauma? When you unlock that riddle, you can really open up the possibilities for recovery. Let's talk about that. Why do people hold on to a trauma? Well, I think there are many reasons. I think on the one hand, from a survival-oriented perspective, and we are driven both by our ego, which is all about self-preservation, and our most deep, old, intrinsic reptilian brain. Uh, everything is designed for our safety. We are born hardwired to try to survive. So I think when a trauma occurs, it, it throws out of balance how you see the world and your place in it, specifically because suddenly you become so aware you're not always safe and you're not in control. And so we hold on to the trauma. And in, in my case, and I write about this in my first book, uh, Before the World Intruded, it was all about, you know, why we hold on to trauma and how to let it go. And one of the reasons we hold on is because we have to learn what does it mean? It's very important to figure out as a human being what things mean. And so we need to figure out well, what does it mean to be a person who is not always safe? What does it mean to be a person who's not always in control? And how do I live that way? So I think one reason is we, we, we have a lot to learn from trauma. And until we learn, we have a tendency to hold on to it. Uh, the other reason that we hold on is because of what I was mentioning earlier, the science behind our symptoms. Trauma dysregulates the entire nervous system. So you literally, during a trauma, your sympathetic nervous system 
comes on full force. Your stress hormones skyrocket. Everything that's not related to your immediate survival, those systems shut down. And then what often happens or can happen after trauma is that your body does not naturally shift from reactive to responsive mode, which is when the parasympathetic nervous system comes up and says, okay, down with the stress hormones, down with the heart rate, down with the blood pressure, bring up all the regular restorative processes. So we end up holding on to trauma from a physiological standpoint because our body doesn't naturally make the shift out of survival mode. So those are, you know, that's just a a bottom line, very generalized way of describing both the emotional and the physical reasons for why we can get stuck in trauma mode. Of course, both of those have ways to be resolved. So we should, you know, always acknowledge that all of the, specifically what I'm thinking of, all of the brain changes that trauma creates, they can be reversed. And there are real scientific, empirically-backed studies that prove this. So even if you're struggling with any of the things that we're talking about today, the opportunity for recovery is immense. And a lot of the science and the, the research and the explanation and even how to do it is what I cover in Heal Your PTSD. One of the reasons I wrote that book was to chunk down the information of recovery so that it's manageable and can be done in a comfortable daily process that really builds up to enormous change. And so it's really talking about baby steps, little steps towards healing the PTSD. And what you were just saying was that recognizing the fact that something's just not right would would be part of saying, okay, I've got some PTSD going on here. Well, I think the first step is recognizing something's not right. We can't self-diagnose with 100% accuracy. You know, on the HealMyPTSD.com website, the website that I developed to support the survivor experience of PTSD, not the clinical, but the survivor experience, we have a clinically designed self-test. It's 22 questions based on the criteria in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. And I myself started my healing journey that way. I found that self-test online and I answered all 22 questions and, and I came up positively for 20 of the 22 questions. And from there, I took that self-test to a trauma-trained professional and said, you know, what's going on here? Because what does this mean? And, and so it's, it's really being an advocate for yourself, researching and, and educating yourself about what you're experiencing and then partnering up with somebody trained in trauma to help really pinpoint what's going on and identify options for resolution. Okay, and so we're just talking about recognizing it, and as in your particular case, uh, it wasn't until you took that self-test that you really recognized the, the situation. Yes, and you know, that self-test was the end of my period of of research. I I was just in a state of (laughs) abject despair. I was thinking, 
that I was crazy, that I was just supposed to live that way. And then all of a sudden I had uh, an experience, a very triggering experience, that made it very clear to me that I lived in complete and total terror all the time. My normal waking state was high anxiety and fear for my physical safety. And I don't know what it was about the clarity of that thought that, oh my gosh, I live in such fear, that made me start saying, okay, well, let's figure out what that is all about. And so I went back and I started researching the trauma that I experienced, my specific trauma, which was very rare. It happens to one in two million people. Um, But I went back and I started researching that, and the research of that led me to trauma psychology research and in the trauma psychology research I came across dissociation and when I started reading about that I thought oh that describes me suddenly I started to realize I wasn't crazy there was a name for that that experience I was having and then the dissociation research led me to PTSD research and suddenly I thought oh there are all my symptoms that's me and so I started to really learn and understand I'm not crazy. I have a very valid reason for the way that I feel, and it was that PTSD research that led me to the self-test that finally crystallized, okay, I I have something to, to get a handle on now. Now I have a way to focus how to figure out my healing process. Great. Well, let's talk about that discovery process a little bit after the break. Folks, don't go away. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you feeling stuck? Sometimes we just need a little help from a friend. Go beyond ordinary healing and experience the extraordinary healing journey possible with custom Healing Code Coaching with Dr. Marianne Chase. Visit TheHealingWhisper.com. Dr. Chase's coaching sessions can be conducted via Skype or by telephone. If you have half an hour to devote to getting yourself out of that rut, Dr. Marianne is ready to be that friend. Visit TheHealingWhisper.com and click Coaching. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
You are listening to The Healing Whisper, a return to peace. If you would like to comment or have a question about our show today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. If you'd rather send an email, our email address is thehealingwhisper at mindspring.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to The Healing Whisper. This is Dr. Marianne Chase and my special guest Today is Michelle Rosenthal. We are talking about PTSD, and uh, it's 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 a very good thing to be talking about post traumatic stress disorder on nine eleven. But given all of that, and Michelle, here's here's a question. I have a personal opinion that everybody in some size, shape, or form, has PTSD. And it may not be the kind that we are, as a culture, defining as the person that is having flashbacks and and horrors and, and nightmares, but it could be the type of PTSD that just impacts us on a daily stress level. Is is that a little too out there to think about it that way? No, I don't I don't think so at all. I think, you know, we can define PTSD on a spectrum. And so we can start with subclinical PTSD, people who are completely functional and don't show symptoms so much as they are just driven to anxiety-based behaviors. I interviewed um, the child of a Holocaust survivor whose mother was not diagnosed with PTSD until she was in her 80s when she completely broke with reality. But the doctors were saying, based on what he had expressed as her behavior throughout her life up until that point, that she had subclinical PTSD. She maintained a perfectly normal life, raised her kids, had a terrific long marriage, but underneath that was dealing with so much re-experiencing and so much anxiety and so much avoidance related to her trauma in the Holocaust that she had very... um, I don't. I wouldn't call them bizarre, but they they were behaviors that were outside the norm. And so, subclinically, you can have PTSD symptoms, but subclinical means they don't present themselves in ways that they're easily noticeable. Then you can have clinical. PTSD, where you're still functional. I was at the trauma conference with Bessel van der Kolk a few years ago, and he made the comment that one of his clients was a um, a terrific mathematician, very celebrated in in the realm uh, of his professional career, and that he was struggling mightily with PTSD, but he diverted all of that anxious energy into his professional work and was highly functional. So that is also possible when you have symptoms that are readily recognizable and yet at the same time are completely functional to even a high degree. And then on the far end of the spectrum, you have people who become chronically disabled by post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms where it is impossible to maintain any sort of lifestyle. And I I can tell you from personal experience, having been at each point on the spectrum myself, because I think any of us who end up at the chronic 
completely disabled stage, we start at the subclinical I'm trying to manage stage and then move through and, and things get worse because without intervention, PTSD does not resolve itself. It's not like the flu. If you just like wait long enough, it'll go away. PTSD becomes progressively worse, and a lot of that has to do with the neural pathways in the brain and how they are overused, and so they become more strengthened in the areas related to trauma. And and so we keep, in, in a certain perspective, I, I like to say, we re-trigger ourselves. So when you're dealing with those three different types of parts of the spectrum, then I can see, Marianne, absolutely, that, that anyone could live an entire life without the PTSD diagnosis or label or self-acknowledgement and yet still have symptoms along the way. And what might be some of those symptoms that people could recognize in themselves to say, oh, maybe I've got a subclinical thing going on? Mm. Well, let's talk about that in terms of the four categories of PTSD symptoms. So this is exactly how the diagnostic criteria looks in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual and what any trauma-trained professional would begin to assess if you were to reach out for help. So number one, we have avoidance. And avoidance looks like you don't want to talk about what happened. You don't want to return to the scene of where it happened. You don't want to hear anything that reminds you of what happened. All of your senses, you don't want any stimulation related to the trauma itself. So that's one, avoidance. And ironically, and there are many ironies in PTSD, on the flip side of avoidance, the other category of symptoms is re-experiencing. You can't stop thinking about it. Even though you want to, you just can't stop because those intrusive thoughts and memories keep popping up without you wanting them to. And in that same category, we have nightmares and flashbacks. And I should say that in the spectrum of this PTSD experience, not everyone has every symptom or even to the same degree. So when we're talking about these categories and the symptoms, perhaps you're someone who has nightmares but not flashbacks. If you don't have flashbacks, that doesn't mean you don't have PTSD. You don't have to tick off every single one of the symptoms in order to have PTSD. It's by category, not by individual symptom in the category um, by itself. So after avoidance and re-experiencing, we have hyperarousal or just arousal. And in that place... Exaggerated startle response, hypervigilance, the feeling that something bad is going to happen, and so you're always on edge and ready to respond. And then the fourth category that was just recently added is mood alterations. And in that we see, and this relates back to what we were talking about earlier about the change in how you see your place in the world, mood alterations, in addition to being negative, persistent moods, depression, that thing, that kind of thing, it's, it's also a negative perspective about yourself and your ability to be in the world. And in, in a lot of self-blame, a lot of guilt, and an inability to see yourself in any kind of positive way. 
So those are the four categories. And within each category, you have these different symptoms, and someone making a diagnosis would assess each of the categories and how many symptoms are in each category and how long they've persisted. PTSD can only be diagnosed after symptoms have persisted for more than four weeks and are really creating a profound impact in dysregulating a life. That's one way. Another way, and what we see often is delayed onset PTSD where years can go by before the symptoms actually pop up. So, for example, that gets back to this, the client I was talking about earlier where she was completely managing after the childhood sexual abuse, but it was the rape that made the symptoms really come full force forward. Right. So let me kind of put out there a, an idea, a thought that I have, that if people are living with a trauma, it, no matter what the trauma is, it could be one of my favorite examples, is a small child being denied a popsicle. To the, her, that was traumatic. It, it, it created the belief that she was not loved. And she, she lived with that. She managed that. But it did impact her life in a way that believing that she wasn't worthy kept her from advancing in her job. Believing that she wasn't worthy kept her from having a happy marriage. And that's a form of a pro- post-traumatic do we all have to say that we need to go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist to be labeled as having well, PTSD? <laughs> no, no. And I think we get into dangerous territory if we were going to say that. I think it's important to remember only 20% of trauma survivors end up with PTSD. So we'll, while we can talk about different symptoms and how big T and little t trauma affects people, I, I think we get into a red zone when we start suggesting that everybody on the planet is walking around with some form of PTSD. I, I think that dilutes the the actual diagnosis and I think it, it can for some people even promote a sense of of fear. So so I would stop short of saying that, although I, I would say that we all have experiences that are less than nurturing and that impact us in profound ways. And that being self-aware enough to recognize, gosh, you know, I don't ever feel like I'm worthy of love. Why is that? That's not PTSD, but that is something that can affect your mental health and needs to be examined. And perhaps through examining it, you can discover an an enormous trauma that is creating PTSD or PTSD-like symptoms. But I think we have to start first at just the self-acknowledgement of the problem and then from there see where it leads rather than presuppose the end destination. I see. And, and so really, even though that little popsicle trauma has affected that person in life, it's what we're talking about with PTSD is really a, a deeper effect in a person's function. And so, 
Yeah, I, I can certainly appreciate that. So now when we are talking, we, we have just about one minute before the next break, and I know we can't get into it in depth. You had mentioned earlier that there are ways to begin to heal. Once you realize and accept that PTSD is an issue with you, you, you mentioned that uh, you need professional help. It, it, am I accurate in that, saying that? Absolutely, I believe so. I think there is a lot we can do on the recovery journey for ourselves that brings enormous relief. At the same time, we are going to need professional intervention at some point. Now, that does not have to be the traditional mental health process. I'm not saying everybody needs a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a therapist. What I do mean is even just to learn some of the relaxation methods that directly and deliberately reduce PTSD, somebody's going to need to teach you that. And there are lots of options and lots of free options for that. So we can talk about that after the break. Right. Great. So, folks, don't go away. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you feeling stuck? Sometimes we just need a little help from a friend. Go beyond ordinary healing and experience the extraordinary healing journey possible with custom Healing Code Coaching with Dr. Marianne Chase. Visit TheHealingWhisper.com. Dr. Chase's coaching sessions can be conducted via Skype or by telephone. If you have half an hour to devote to getting yourself out of that rut, Dr. Marianne is ready to be that friend. Visit TheHealingWhisper.com and click Coaching. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to The Healing Whisper, a return to peace. If you would like to comment or have a question about our show today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. If you'd rather send an email, our email address is thehealingwhisper at mindspring.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the show. This is Dr. Marianne Chase and my special guest, Michelle Rosenthal, speaking about PTSD. Just before the break, we talked about how to begin taking the steps to recovering from PTSD. And that is one of the things that I find very wonderful about your book. First of all, Michelle, you say you can heal. And give some examples on how healing begins. So what are some of the steps uh, to 
for people to find someone to help them to begin healing? Absolutely. I think one of the most daunting aspects of post-traumatic stress disorder recovery is that we don't know where to begin. We don't know what will help. There is no specific time frame when you can say, okay, by X date I'll be finished, and there's no one process. It's so unique and individual. And in that kind of amorphous state, we are supposed to feel confident and move ahead. So I I like to start every healing process and journey with a couple of things. Number one, just getting yourself into a place where you have the hope that you can feel better, just being open to that. And number two, being open to the belief that you have what it takes to get it done, because I believe we all have enormous healing potential. The goal is just learning to access it. So then the access portion of it really builds on itself based on your own willingness to research treatment options. The HealMyPTSD.com website has an entire tab of treatment options. By no means exhausted, but gets you started. There are basically two ways to go, and I I always recommend um, a combination of them. The traditional route with therapy and, you know, based on talk therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy and also the alternative route because the traditional route only deals with the conscious mind, but the subconscious mind is 88% of your brain. So to me, we need 100% of our mind (laughs) in healing. Excellent. And so... Yeah, that subconscious thing, that that that's really what uh, gets people stymied a lot of the time because that thing is uh is it's like a well, a in my era a broken record. <laughs> it just is going over and over and over again. That's very true. And I know that a lot of people say, "Well, I don't have the money to heal." But, you know, there are so many ways to engage in the recovery process, even guided by professionals. I mean, the HealMyPTSD.com website has over 100 podcasts of trained trauma professionals and survivors talking about healing. So right there, you're getting the benefit of professional input, and it's totally free. You can find mindfulness, yoga, breath work. All of this can be found on the Internet for free. So when we're talking about how do we heal, the HealMyPTSD.com website has a lot of options, the Internet has a lot of options, and even Heal Your PTSD, the book, it's not free itself, but the resources that it points you to, many of them are free, and the processes that you can develop in your own daily life are free to do. There's no down payment required for learning to live a different way and making that a repetitive habit that trains your brain. Yeah, absolutely. Just it it's so wonderful what you have done not only with your previous books but with this current book to not only bring awareness. Now, this can be for people who love individuals with PTSD to to help them on their way to recovery because I know that if I had a family member that was really suffering from some extreme PTSD or even less than extreme PTSD, 
I'd want to do everything within my power to help them heal. And during one of the breaks, we were talking about how a, a you, you'd read somewhere, we cannot cure this person with PTSD, um, which I find a very interesting statement that, um, of course, I think our culture has said that we cannot cure anything, but um, people can heal. And you're a walking example that you can heal from PTSD. I am, I am, Marianne, and I'm not unique. I'm not special. I slogged through the muck deep in despair in a lot of pain for a very long time, and I came out the other side. There are thousands of people doing the same thing. I have colleagues who have healed. I have friends who have healed. I, my own clients heal. So I see the benefits of working the recovery process consistently lead to gains. So will we all heal? No, because some people, there are boundaries and limitations based on a lot of factors. What I do believe is we all have healing potential, and so it's up to us to access it to whatever degree we choose and then to follow it through as far as it will take us. And so in in that realm, I've read even a statistic that 92% of the PTSD cases that um, I think it was a study at Harvard, but don't quote me on that because I'm not exactly sure, um, but they said 92% of the cases are treatable and lead to healed outcomes. So I think it's important, whatever the number is, whatever the statistics or wherever they come from, the real focus is for each of us in ourselves. What do I hope is possible for me? What do I believe is possible for me? How can I make that happen? Those are really the only three questions any of us need to answer to focus a healing journey and start it on its way. And the other important thing that I feel that people need to realize is that PTSD is not crazy. It is not something that is really abnormal because, as you said at the first of the show, you are having a normal response to an abnormal situation. <laughs> so it, it's not crazy. Absolutely not crazy. So, Michelle, how can people get the book? I believe it was just released this week. It was, actually. The official release date was Tuesday. So it is everywhere books are sold, both online and off. So you can Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, Powell's, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, um, everywhere you feel comfortable buying a book, you can find Heal Your PTSD, Dynamic Strategies That Work. And how p- can people connect with you, Michelle? Absolutely. I'm, I'm online at HealMyPTSD.com. You can also find links to Twitter and Facebook from there. And we also have a free PTSD forum. So if you have questions about PTSD, you want to share your experience, you want to connect with others, all of that is on the HealMyPTSD.com website. Which will help people realize that they are not crazy. <laughs> that, that we are sane. We are just struggling. That's really all it is. We are struggling. And, and lots of people struggle in different ways. So it's very, it's, it's normal. 
it's definitely validated and it also definitely has resolution. So it's just really the importance of figuring out what will bring you resolution. Great. And folks, I'd like to remind you that you can connect with me, Dr. Marianne Chase, on my website, thehealingwhisper.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and uh, my live feeds on occasion on Meerkat. So there were thousands of years ago a very, very wise man who was named King Solomon said that above all else, Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And until next week, blessings. Thank you again for taking the advice of your heart and tuning in to The Healing Whisper, A Return to Peace. Please join your host, Dr. Marianne Chase, again next Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to talk to you again next week. Oh,